I've been wanting to just to speak on relationships and fellowship and love in this theme and uh, and preparing for that has been an interesting little journey of maybe a little revelation for myself that I wanted to share with the rest of us and hopefully it will um, help us forward collectively. Um, I don't know if you've noticed but pretty much we keep preaching the same thing. If it weren't preaching the same thing, it would probably be a new thing, and it's not a new thing. God's truth is the same today and yesterday all the time. So we shouldn't be preaching new things, but we bring bring the old things back to light in different ways. Um, and hopefully the different lights that we shine on the same truth help us to understand things in a different way and give us more of what God is trying to show us. So this is not a new thing, but maybe just a different light on the same thing. So I wanted to start with um, the basics. When the Pharisees or the teachers came to Jesus, they asked him, what is the most important thing? What's the most important commandment? And what did Jesus have to answer on that one? Okay, let's read that together. I'm hearing whispers that seem to indicate we know what we're talking about. But let's read it together. From, this is from Mark 12, starting at verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard the dist- uh, heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that the answers them well, uh, well asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandments greater than these. So that was the basic summary of Jesus, giving them the whole gospel <laughs> in two, a couple of verses. Two things I wanted to highlight out of there. God describes the love portion. It's all about love. But he also creates a statement of one, a unity. He describes God being one. And he also starts connecting us with one another. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's a connection made between us. That connection keeps going forward as I was exploring this topic. In John 13, we read the following. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another another. Again, we see that string or that chain, that linkage between God's love for us and our response to Him and our love for one another. That unity combined with the love connected to one another. But it can go even further than this. That, that connection becomes a very strong connection. And it started right in Genesis. Um, Let's start with Genesis uh, 2.23. I'm giving a couple of scriptures just to highlight what I was discovering about this love and this one and this interconnection between all these different entities and how they're all interdependent. Let's read that. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Can you see that? Eve was formed out of Adam. Sorry, given context, this is Adam's first response to seeing Eve. After God created them. For she was taken out of man. Uh, She shall be called woman. 
for she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's a beautiful description of intimacy, of unity, of love. And you might also spot that little verse in there, hold fast. It's also a little bit of effort. It's a working relationship. It's one that requires ongoing effort. That same analogy of marriage, Jesus elaborates on, uh, um, the Apostle Paul also elaborates on Ephesians 5. Many of you would have heard this in marriage ceremonies. It's often repeated there. I get the privilege of repeating it here as well. Bit of a longer verse, but again, I want you to listen to the words of love. I want you to listen to the words of unity. And I want, to listen, want you to listen to the connections. In which way are all these connections going? Because there are multiple ways that all these connections go. So let's read there from Ephesians 5, starting at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now we're seeing a love relationship between a body and not an individual. Christ is loving the body, the church. There's a pluralness now. That's a different connection we're talking about. And that she might be sanctified, that he, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Can you see the love that Jesus has for the bride? That desire to have the bride beautiful and without spot, to effortlessly work to make his bride presentable. That she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. As I was exploring this topic, these multiple relationships, these multiple connections, this became more and more evident. How it is my love for Jesus, and Jesus' love for me, Jesus' love for the Father and for the Spirit, and their love for one another, but also Jesus' love for us as a plural, not as a singular, as one body, not as an entity loose from itself. And then our love for one another, starting right in Genesis with our love for a spouse, marriage there, but also continuing throughout the, the Gospels about our love for one another and our interconnectedness. And Jesus' words even go stronger than this. How about this comparison? From uh, John 17, verse 20. Jesus is praying this, and he says to the Father, I do, not ask of th I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory that you gave me, I have given to them, that they may be one as we are one. 
Can you imagine that? Being one as they are one, as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. I in them and you in me. And not just us as a body being one, but us being one with the Father and with the Son. That they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you loved me. What a beautiful description of oneness, of unity. That Jesus describing himself and what he has, that perfect unity, that perfect oneness, giving of that relationship to us, because he's got it with the Father, he gave it to us, and then desiring that we may have that, so that we may be perfect, and reflect back to the Father and to the Son, that we may have relationship with one another and with the Father, that that role keeps continuing as we move forward. And we've heard elsewhere descriptions of we are one body, made out of many parts, as you could read in Corinthians 12. And as each does his part, as Donovan was saying, as each does their part in various ways, we all glorify together and walk together. What triggered me with all this conversation and this research was a marriage course that my wife and I did some time ago. And the course was called uh, Created for Connection. It was a different way of looking at relationships and fundamentally understanding that at the core, we are created to be connected. We are not created to do our own little paths parallel to everybody else. We're not called or created to have a a serving opportunity or do work or to be entertained or all sorts of other stuff. We are created to be connected. And as these verses highlighted, the Father is connected to the Son, to the Spirit. He himself is a connected, human, a connected spirit or person in perfect unity. And that perfect connection he desires with us individually but also plurally. And he desires us to have that with one another individually and plurally. That is the nature and the real core and the root of the gospel, created to be connected. So let me explore that concept of connection. Other words that you might relate to that you might have seen in the gospels in the Bible would be kononia or fellowship. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. That fellowship, that word can be expanded into words like a partnership, a sharing, a mutualness, an interconnection with one another, interdependence of one another. So the creative connection is, again, as I said earlier, a different light on the same topic. So all those other teachings you've heard about fellowship and sharing with one another and partnership, it's the same, same word, just a different concept to highlight it. Our purpose is not to is to be connected, which means our purpose is not to work, is not to be entertained, is not to be serving. What's interesting, though, is we can find our purpose in doing those things. I don't know if any of us have been part of a team serving somewhere or going on an outreach somewhere. I can remember going with Donnie on to a Namibia trip, an outreach. The outreach itself, in going somewhere, we formed a connection with one another. We shared time together and we had a stronger bond together. In your com, you are binding yourselves with one another. The purpose is not to have a com. The purpose is to use that time to connect with one another. The same can be said for your work or your provision that you're doing. 
depending on how you go about it, you might either just be doing work, head down, and looking at the clock at 5 o'clock, until you can go home again, or you can have experiences like Nina described, where she's in a work environment, but the colleagues are encouraging each other, loving one another, being there for each other, we're hoping for the best of each other. There's a strong connection. And out of that, there's an overflow of loving for the kids and loving one another and enjoying what you're doing. The burden becomes light as we create a connection with one another. If you look at your phone, most of you will have a little app there called Contacts. How many contacts do you have in your phone? I'm going to guess some of you have got over 300 contacts. Who thinks they've got over 300 contacts in their phone? And then you'll go to apps like LinkedIn. Who's on LinkedIn? I think I'm above 500 on LinkedIn already. Then you can go to Facebook. How many friends do you have on Facebook? Countless. How many followers on Instagram? Very few of those are actually connections. You might have contact with a lot of your contacts, but very little connection. Phoning someone and asking, where's my delivery, is not a connection. That's a contact. <laughs> All right. And so we can look at our phone, and even in a large environment or in a social setting, we can be surrounded by people and be alone because we're making contact, not connection. Connections will last. Contact is a moment. And as soon as you move away, there is no more contact. But a connection will stay in some form or fashion. It rem remains even when you move away in some form of afterwards. As I was doing the marriage course, there was other interesting things that also helped me to understand relationships about when you think of it in terms of connections. I can have multiple connections with my spouse on different ways. I can have multiple connections with you on different topics. Like I can enjoy a strong connection with people who all enjoy F1. We're the F1 fans. There we go. So we can all enjoy Formula One together and form a bond around Formula One. Who would like to join me for a five-day test match? Only a few match. Cricket match. A five-day test cricket match? Okay. Those connections are different to the ones I had with Formula One. <laughs> Stefan will make contact with me on a five-day test match. Okay. But I, if I search, I can find multiple different ways in which I can connect with the same individual or the same body or the same group. We can all connect around Jesus. There's a common factor there. We can all connect around worship. We can all connect around prayer. And if we search, we can sometimes connect around sorrow and hardships. We can also connect around joy and celebrations. There are multiple connections I can have with an individual which strengthens my overall bond. And that's why I like connections. I can also, on the same connection, add more strings, so to speak, or more, um, yeah, more strings. I don't know who's seen a bungee cord. Have you ever cut a bungee cord in half? Have you actually seen what a bungee cord's made of? It might be as thick as my wrist, but when you cut it open, it's thousands of small little strands, all individually wrapped together. So every time I will join Jared to watch Formula One, we form a new connection across the same bond, and that bond becomes stronger. There's another interesting thing when you look at connections. Connections can break. Bonds can get damaged. 
What they actually teach in the marriage course, which I found interesting, is by default, you actually break connections all the time. About 70% of your actions are breaking a connection. And it's something as small as they were studying little babies. And you just got the baby in your arm, and you look away, and the baby is looking for your eye contact. You've just broken connection. And the baby responds to that broken connection of, but where are you? Did you do wrong? Not at all. It's just that connection got broken in some form or fashion. And what do you do to restore the connection? You focus back on the baby. So part of the marriage course that taught us is don't worry about the breaking of connections. It's about restoring connections and adding new connections and repeating that process over and over again. We're always going to break connections. That's the norm. That's the default. That's just how life happens. With God, we also keep breaking connections. One word for that would be sin. We break connections. One another word for that might be just distractions. We're busy with our own thing and not worrying about what God's doing. So with that relationship, we are always breaking connections. But Jesus has taught us, how do we restore that connection? We ask for forgiveness. And our connection is restored. We spend time in his word. We strengthen that connection. We come to worship. We strengthen that connection. We wait on him like we did earlier. We strengthen that connection and lay new connections. So this concept of connections has helped me to visualize or understand what am I actually doing in my relationships with God, with my spouse and my children, with you as a body, and with those outside the body. Am I having contact or am I having a connection? As I was going through this, I was really just amazed at how strong the interdependence is between our relationship with one another and our relationship with the Lord. I think that was one of the biggest things I learned coming into Josh Jen from my previous church experiences. My past experience was very much of I'll search that connection with the Lord and I'll love a small group of people around me. But coming here and reading through the scriptures, it's that how my relationship with the Lord is actually dependent to a large degree on my relationship with you as a group. In the calm, in the small setting, or in the elders as, as we function together, or just having a coffee and enjoying each other's company. It interacts with my relationship with the Lord. So let me show you some of these scriptures that I found that actually support this concept. The first one I thought was quite, was quite an interesting one. Yes, Jesus' words. Um, speaking to Peter after P Peter denied him. And Peter's got, Jesus is busy restoring him. This is, no, sorry, this is a different section. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't have it in Scripture. So let's get that one. What, P what Jesus said then to him is, he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? To which Peter responded, yes, Lord, I love you. What is God's, Jesus' response? Jesus' response wasn't, I love you. Jesus' response was, feed my sheep. Because you love me, I need you to love my sheep. And he did that three times. It was a beautiful restoration moment, but it's also showing that Jesus, Peter's love for Jesus should respond in his love for the people. They were interconnected. He has a bit of a stronger word from 1 John 4, verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, 
and hate his brother. He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. Can you see how it's not possible to do the one without the other? It's not possible to hate or dislike or let's even use a different word, to be indifferent. Hate means I've still got an emotional connection with you <laughs> in some form or fashion. To be indifferent means I've, I actually don't care. And I find that actually a stronger word. To be indifferent about you, how can I still have a relationship with God? It's just not possible. How about this one from Matthew 25 verse 40? After a parable describing, um, Jesus ends with the parable with this. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. I found that such a beautiful description of how do I love Jesus. By giving a, a cup of water to one of these little ones, one of my brothers, I've done it unto Jesus. If I give you a coat or I give you a meal, if I help you, I've actually helped Jesus. Jesus sees himself in that person that you helped as we help one another. Uh, one of the striking things I had just to settle this in my heart was thinking about Adam. We all know the creation story. In Genesis 1, we hear how every day God created the various things. And he ended with, it is good, it is good. And after he created on the sixth day and unrested, he said, it is very good. And then Genesis 2, you see a little highlight of what actually happened on, on the creation of Adam. And God saw the following. In Genesis 2 verse 18, he, he saw the following. Then the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. What strikes me about the following is, yes, Adam, perfect without sin, as God created him. And God says, that is not good. Adam would have had perfect relationship with God. Perfect union with God. And somehow God says, that's not enough. That's not good. He needs more than just me. I don't understand it. It is a mystery for me. But it seems to indicate that God understands our need for connection is that strong that God needs more, that we need more than just God. We need each other. It's only in the completion that they became one. Because it's the two together in the connected state that they were one, as God himself is one. I thought that was a profound, th profound thought. I don't know how much theologic I can say <laughs> about that God and Adam relationship might not have been enough. But something there says to me that God saw the state of man in its perfect state, without sin, without corruption, without lies and deceit, and said, Adam needs more than just this. So how do we form these connections? How do we form these bonds? Well, for me, it's another description would be like a chain. 
Zian described this chain earlier. Each chain, each link we make, each connection we make, creates that bond. And it allows us to stretch and create a further distance. But then you get a concept of a chain mail. Who knows what a chain mail is? I've got a couple of hands, probably all the ones that read fantasy stories, or like Braveheart. <laughs> but a chain mail would be a link of change in the horizontal and the vertical direction. It's what they would use for traditional male armor. Male armor? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Knight armor. But it would be a way to protect yourself. But the idea behind that is you would take one link and you would create another link with it to the left, to the right, to the top, and the bottom. And because that one link now had four links to it, it became the strong interconnected whole. You know the expression, a chain is only strong as its weakest link? Well, a chain mail has got a lot more links, and all those other links are bound to each other. So it actually becomes a lot harder to destroy and, and creates a lot more protection. In the same way, that's our purpose with God is to create a lot of connections. How many connections can we make and how many different ways? How strong can we make those connections? And sometimes, like today, for some of us, we have to fight for that connection. We have to work harder in worship because we know we can connect there, but let's do the effort. Sometimes it gets a little bit uncomfortable and we're down to the fifth, sixth song. And you might want to sit down and relax. You know, might want to phase out and let others have the fun. But that's where you push in and go, but I want a stronger connection. I want more because it will last longer. I want more because it will serve together. I want to strengthen this bond that I have. It will never actually be enough. So with God, we can form, form these connections through reading Scripture. There's an obvious one. And trying to find Him in the Scripture. Trying to find revelation as the Spirit speaks to you through the Scriptures. You can create bonds and connections through prayer and worship. Exercising your spiritual gifts that God's given you. Builds faith in the Father. Creating another moment. Creating moments of joy and celebration as you see the Lord work through you. Allowing you to celebrate what God's done and who He is. Creating more connections. In serving, you can see God work through you and how you can bless others through what God's enabled you. And you end up worshiping God for what you see His heart for other people being. And as you see His heart, you bond with that heart. And that connection becomes stronger. Of course, we can connect with one another in the same way. Philippians 2 says the following. If I read from verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. So how did I get stuck into Formula One? Through my daughters. <laughs> Maeve and Lisa started watching Formula One, and in order for me to find a connection point with them, I sat on the couch and watched Formula One with them to find a way to connect. Because we don't all have the same interests. I can't join Maine with piano and violin. I can't draw, join her with drawing. But I could join her with Formula One. Now I think I'm more addicted than them. I'm not sure which. In the same way, my son Ruben has started swimming. The one thing he excels at that beats me wholeheartedly. I can't catch up with him anymore. But in order to join him, I've also started swimming now. Because he's not going to come running with me. That's not his joy. But desiring connection, I'm looking out for the interest of 
not only myself, but also of others, in desiring to have a connection with one another. Can I catch up with him on swimming? Not a chance. He's still way better than me. But at least I can sort of pretend to join him. <laughs> and so we do the same thing in community. We create connections with one another there. We serve, we love each other, we hear each other's stories. There's something very powerful to share testimonies with one another. We heard Nina's testimony. We all feel more of a connection with her now. As we, and we might even identify something in ourselves that bonds with that. And in communities, that's a perfect place to do that, where we hear each other and support each other. And there's something very special about going through trials with one another. To be there for each other when it's really hard creates a real strong bond that is so valuable. It is really something truthful that when the Bible says, when the one cries, we all cry. When the one suffers, we all suffer. But when the one rejoices, we all rejoice as one body. Because we're going through and desiring those connections. What are some of the limitations when it comes to creating connections? Well, the first one, if I think about God, it's those connections get damaged. We have to repair them. And as I said earlier, some of those connections get damaged through sin. When we do what is counter to God's heart and we hurt Him. And how do we restore that? The Holy Spirit reveals to us how we hurt Him. And we respond through asking for forgiveness. But God's there with grace and mercy to forgive us because He desires to have a connection with us. He desires to allow us to be with Him. If you read through the Old Testament and look at the law, the law was literally there purely so that a, a holy God, a righteous God, can have a relationship be with the Israelites, that He can be amongst them, and not just this distant Father, distant God, but if they would purify themselves and make themselves holy, he could truly be a God that's amongst them and not just at a distance. So we ask for forgiveness. We repent. We change our ways in order so that we can connect with the Holy God. Another thing that prevents us from those connections is we're overly busy with our own lives. We forget that our primary purpose is to be created for connections. And we get lost in, you can fill in the blank, but we get lost in it, in work, in entertainment, in rest, in vacations, in our children. You, you can call it what you want, but we get lost in that. And we get so focused on making that good, we forget that our purpose is not to make that good. Our purpose is to have a relationship with God. And that made me, uh, I, th I thought was quite interesting because I saw that similar behavior in myself. Sometimes when you, those of you who have kids, you can sometimes notice how your kids can reflect something in yourself that you weren't aware that was there. It generally happens when, especially if you've got more than one kid, you generally see one kid do something and you'll reprimand the kid and say, hey, that's wrong. Then you see the other kid do the same thing. And you're going, wait a minute. <laughs> Where did they learn this behavior from? <laughs> it was me. They learned it from me. So I had to find something that I had to change. So what happened? I got my son's permission to elaborate on this one. But he, we had a, a week away together, creating that connection. But what happened is we enjoyed each other's company when we were doing activities. Whatever we did, we had fun, we had walks, we, had, we went bungee jumping, we had all sorts of fun and excitement and canoeing and making meals together. And we really had a fun bonding time together. But as soon as the activities were finished, my son would choose to read his book. 
Now, awesome, go for it, relax. We're also on a holiday together. But the pattern repeated itself every day. That in those spaces where there was actually nothing planned or no initiative taken, my son's first choice would be to go read the book and relax. And he could be lost in books for hours. Don't know how, but he manages it. And because we were on holiday together, I could see the sum total of what was happening over time. As an adult or in a busy day, I can't pick it up and I can't see it in myself. Because I've been trained well when people come into the house. You stop, you say hi, you greet them, you drink coffee with them. You can't be selfish and go do your own thing. When your wife calls you to come have dinner, you stop what you're doing. You go join them and you stay at the table until everybody's done. I've been trained. But in this setting, we were actually free to do our own thing. And I noticed that my, when the op option was there, he would choose for himself and not for us together. Then I phoned my mom, who was living in Holland, and my, sister, my daughter, Lisa, was staying with her for nine weeks. Having explored this concept in my own heart and how it related to my son, I asked her, but how was Lisa over there when she stayed with my mom? And Lisa was doing pretty much the same thing. She filled her agenda with all sorts of fun stuff. She had a party galore, worked hard, socialized hard, and enjoyed herself. But her relationship with the grandmother came down to invitations that my grandmother extended. Do you want to join me for the puzzle? And Lisa was there, and I had a great time building the puzzle. Do you want to join me for a game of cards? And Lisa was there playing cards. But she never initiated of, hey, shall we continue with the puzzle? She never initiated, shall we play another game of cards? She would faithfully be there to make the meals and help tidy up and have a conversation. But she didn't ask for more. She only was present when the invitation was there. So I realized for myself, in a lot of ways, that's how I operate, unfortunately. I don't pursue the connection. I don't pursue building a stronger bond with one another in that way. And it comes down to small things. Things that I've taught my kids in the small, I also need to do in the large. So for example, who here plays cards or board games? So as you play those cards, you always know there's those moments in between the rounds or when you shuffle the deck where you can actually talk to one another or check your phone's WhatsApp messages. <laughs> I found my kids checking the WhatsApp messages. I was like, you can't do that. That's wrong. We're playing cards together. But it's a small moment like that where they chose to step out of the opportunity to be together that resulted in not a connection being made. Things like lingering at the, at, the, at the dining room table. Just, we finished the meal, do we have to get up right now? Do we have to start packing away the dishes? Or do I ask another question about how your day was? Can we linger together? But I would tidy up the dishes because I know other stuff that I need to go do. And it comes down to when we walk in spa, am I so focused on the tasks of finishing grocery shopping and getting back to my family that I can't ask one of you that I meet in this grocery store, of, how was your day, is the first question I'll ask. But will I ask a second or a third? Will I miss that opportunity that it might take two, three minutes longer? But no, I don't. So I was convicted of that, of wasting opportunities to connect. Because I see the need in my family, but God's put the need in my heart for us as a family. The connection is larger than just my spouse and my children. The connection needs to be with you, but also in the same way with God. There are multiple moments throughout the whole day 
where we can create that connection with God if we choose to use those opportunities instead of just being entertained. As I was speaking to Ruben about it, what actually was behind it is we fill our gaps with something. When there's space, we actually don't like it. There's something in us that needs to fill that space. We're either going to fill it with self-entertainment, consuming YouTube or reading a book, or as my favorite pastime in the past before cell phones would be to rest on the couch and just zone out, <laughs> go into my empty box and be happy. Or we can connect with other people. But even in connecting with other people, you can choose to socialize with people which might just be doing the same activity together, like going to a movie. But are you actually going to have a conversation with them after the movie and before the movie and actually have a connection with one another? So I hope this has shown you a different way of looking at fellowships and relationships. It's about forming those bonds with one another and with God. Those bonds that are made individually in your experience with Jesus it's those bonds that are made corporately as we together experience a moment in Jesus and in his presence. It's those bonds we make individually in friendships, in families, but also in groups as we do community together or church together or even in the large gathering we had to be a people that is one body with Christ, have unity, in perfect unity as God created. So let's be a people that creates connection with one another. So as I spoke, I'm hoping some of you might have identified some areas where you can make more connections. Where you can see you've maybe passed on connections that could have been. That moments where the Spirit has said, hey, I wonder how it's going with Joe. Why don't you send him a message? Those moments where you grabbed your phone instead of just asking another question. Those moments where you could have lingered and enjoyed the company instead of finishing the task. If you are of any of those places, the simplest thing is to say, I see it, I can change it. So if that's you, can I pray with you? Can you just raise your hand and say, I've seen it, I want to change it. And let me pray for all of you. Father God, I want to thank you that you have shown us a different light to view on connections. You've shown us a different way to focus on fellowship and love and unity. A way that you want us to bond to together and love one another and have perfect unity. And have a connection that lasts beyond just a contact moment. A connection that lasts beyond today. But a connection that lasts into eternity. Because you are in it. I pray that you will not help us to have this conviction not only yeah in this moment, but as we leave this place, that we can truly be a people connected with one another, loving one another as we love ourselves, loving you as you loved us, using the Holy Spirit to guide us every step of the way, because the Holy Spirit is here to prompt us and guide us and be our true helper in all circumstances. And thank you that out of this change of heart, we will not only be able to love but we will experience love in a very powerful way. Thank you that you have shown us more of you and your plans for us.